0: to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website www.thecity.sg Let's turn our Bible to Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10. And the Bible says, then he said, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet. Now, this sounds really much like a Filipino, all right? So if you're from the Philippines, this is like a really good verse. It's true. They love fats. They love to drink the sweet and send the portions for those whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Now, most of us when we're growing up, we thought of holiness as solemn, as quiet, as we've got to be on on our faces crying, weeping, and now that's a proper response. But I want I wanted to see another res, uh, an alternative response to God's holiness. Do not be sorrowful for the for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So in other words, what Ezra was trying to tell the people of Israel when he opened up the scriptures and presented to them God's word after many years where. The Bible or the scriptures in the days of the Old Testament were buried. Right, so he opened up the scriptures, and the people were on their faces. It was a holy moment. But Ezra said, "That's a wrong reaction. That's a wrong response. Your response should not be one of sorrow, but should be one of joy." Say joy. joy. I was watching um, a YouTube video. I don't you know. I think it's a TED Talk uh, on YouTube. Is it TED Talk? YouTube, probably. But don't uh, know, by the Prime Minister of Bhutan. Have you watched that ted It's an amazing speech, amazing, and I was so inspired, and I said, "Wow, this prime Minister can really talk amazing Brilliant. and so he basically talked ab- about the, the different areas of Bhutan, uh, like the uh, on, on low carbon, but something that he talked uh, that that he spoke in that uh, in that speech which I thought was really inspiring is that Bhutan came up with uh, this index called the Global Happiness Index, and of course. If you have been following the Global Happiness Index, Bhutan is probably on top. But guess where Singapore is? It's pretty low on the index. It's pretty low, you know. And so we are a very prosperous country. Well, we are one of the highest GDPs in the world, but we rank one of the lowest when it comes to happiness. Now, something is not right. I mean, now it could be, it might That might be a a reflection of the general population, but within the church of Jesus Christ, we have to be a happy people. We must be joyful. Amen? Amen. The Bible says, uh, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. And if the Lord is your God this morning, I mean, you have to be a happy person. And if you're happy and you know it, Amen. Amen! So I want to speak to you on the subject, how to increase joy in your life. And I pray that the church would lead a joy revolution in this country. I pray that as you go to work tomorrow, it's a Monday, there'll be no Monday blues, there'll be Monday red. I mean, because you're all excited to meet the world, Monday purple, whatever it is, but not Monday blues. I pray that as you go through the week that your joy quotient uh, grows with you, you know, as you reflect on this message. How to increase joy in your life. Number one, you have to watch out for joy stealers. As I said, the enemy wants to rob the joy from your life and there are joy stealers around us. And one of the joy stealers that we're confronted with almost daily is, is comparison. We compare ourselves. The Singaporeans, we compare ourselves. Why? Because we are taught to compare ourselves. Our, our system in school teaches us to compare ourselves. They rank us. The good news when I was growing up is I'm, I, well, humbly submitting to you that I usually talk, you know in the first few places of my class. And so I feel good about myself. I feel happy when I receive my results. I got a 100 Marks for my PSLE, you know, for my prelims of PSLE. Wow, great! Uh, and I and look at people and say, oh, so bad. You It's really okay. And, and we compare. But when it comes to sports, uh, you look at me, right? I try, I try to play sports. And I'm not too bad as a, you know, I can shoot well, but I'm so small. And you know i can 't run i 've got small legs. I inherited that from my mom 's side of the family i can 't run small feet, small legs and, uh, and it would feel me as uh, part of the relay team when I was in primary school and uh, i 'll usually be like the second or third runner, and the first a runner would take the lead usually, but when it comes to my turn, you know my team would fall back because i can 't run and I, and I feel terrible because you know I compare to people who can run like Ming Wei and I feel terrible, but you no, know, comparison robs us of our joy. And as we grow up, we start comparing our ranking in the army, our status in the society, our position at work, our bank accounts, uh, where our friends are, where we are. And we start comparing, and comparison robs us of our joy. And even in the church, when I was growing up, I compare myself to my friends and they seem to be praying more. They seem to know the Bible more. They seem to be doing more. They seem to be a lot more visible. And I was only in the ministry of helps. I can't sing for nuts. I didn't have a platform, a ministry. People that are on the platforms are celebrated. And me, I'm just doing PA, right? Physical arrangement. Doing chairs, clean toilet. And I compare myself and I feel terrible. I feel like I'm a lesser Christian. I compare myself. There are intercessors who are around me who can prophesy and they can pray long. They go for three hours. They come into cell group with their face glowing. And I walk there and they will ask, how long have you been praying? Ten minutes. I feel terrible. Because comparison robbed us of our joy. Comparison is a joy stealer and in Singapore especially we're always comparing your, whose car is bigger whose house is, is nicer you know, whose church is bigger even as pastors we're always comparing the one question that uh, we always get when we go for like meetings is hey how big's your youth group or how big's your your, your church and those big just oh we just cross a thousand and those who are a little bit smaller say oh we're doing fine we're, we're, we're doing fine, <laughs> we're doing fine. We're always comparing. And I, I want to say to you, if you want to increase joy in your life this morning, do not compare. Yeah. Amen. Do not compare. Watch out for the joy stealers in your life. One of the joy stealers that I know is um, this feeling of never enough, which is linked to, to, to my first point, right? Never enough. And, and uh, we always think oh, we, we, have, we have not been praying enough. We have not been fasting enough. Now, if you compare yourself to Lou Engle, you have not fasted enough. You can do once a month, you know, once a year, but Lou fasts 40 days like twice a year. He's always fasting. And if I always compare him it, I say- Not praying enough. If I compare myself to my brother, probably I'll feel like he should lead the the church because he prays more than I do. We can't compare, right? And never enough. Never enough. You don't read the Bible enough. You've not uh, forgiven enough. You've not loved your family enough. You've not loved the kids enough. You've not spent enough time with people, with your family, with your wife. And this whole idea of I've not done enough is a joy stealer. Are you with me? Especially as parents, all the parents here, can I just say this: that no matter how much time you spend with your children, it's never enough. Never enough. You can spend one whole day, and you you walk away saying, "I need to spend more time." And it takes the joy out of parenting. When it comes to dad, great, it's never never enough. I know, growing up, when I get 99, my mom would look at the you know, she might have not. She wouldn't remember because you know when when you grow older, you somehow forget, but you know they always look at the one point that you miss and say, "Hey, how come you miss a point they They don't celebrate i got ninety nine. Are you with me? Never enough, never enough. See, our focus in life cannot be on trying to do more to win God's approval. It's got to uh, focus on the need to build a thriving, healthy friendship with God through Jesus and trust in His goodness and trust that all that we need in life that pertains to, to life and Godliness has been made available to us through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our joy is ignited, when, is ignited when we have the revelation of what it means when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. Your joy comes alive when you realize that and as, even as you do your best, as you try to excel, that, that phrase, it is finished, makes up for the deficiency in your life. It makes it up. Amen. Now, I'm not saying that you just do nothing now. There's a theology that says you just do nothing. Let God do everything. Now i i have a, I have a problem with that theology. I and you know, I believe that in life is always uh, us co-laboring together with God. But we, you know, but God u- usually makes up what is missing. Amen. As we're truly entering to resting in what God has done and just simply doing our part, allowing God to make up for the rest, I tell you, joy increases in your life. Amen. So I want all of us to declare this morning, Jesus has done enough. Come on. Turn to the person next to you and say, He has done enough. He has done enough. He has done enough. I also realized that one of the enemies to joy, a joy stealer in my life, is being easily offended. When, when, when I was growing up, I was a very angry person. Angry. You know, if you know me when, when, when I was 12, Ming knew me when, when I was 12, and I was the head prefect in the school. And you know, I'll go into classes, and I'll always be upset. I'll be, you know, I, I, I was 12, but I was abusing my power as a 12-year-old. I, I knew what I had. And so I'll go into his class. He was 10. And look at him now. Uh, he has grown lots, but when he was younger, you know, he's a little, he, he's a little bit active, you know, and so I'll be bullying him and the class, and I'll always be angry, I'll be angry at home, I'll be angry in school, I'll be angry as a table tennis player, I'll be throwing my bet on the floor when I miss a, a, a point, and changing my bets all the time, why, because angry, upset, offended, when people say something bad about me, I'll be upset, angry, until I came until I came uh, across an article by a teacher of the Word named Francis Japan, And if you have not read him, you know, he's like one of my favorite teachers of the Word. Why? Because of his emphasis on maturity. I, I want to be like Jesus. Now, I, I know it's not by my own strength to grow in Christ's likeness, but I want to grow up in Christ. That's my, that's my goal as a young believer. And even up to now, after 25 years of walking with the Lord, I want to grow up. I want to be like Him. Maturity is my goal. I wouldn't compare myself to people. I, I wouldn't compare uh, myself uh, with what I don't have. But I'll compare myself to Jesus. And, and how much do I look like Him, talk like Him, walk like Him, love like Him? And so Francis Friend uh, Japan, his, his message is maturity. I, be like Christ. Christ-likeness. And so I love it. And so when I was growing up, and I, I came across an article written by Francis Friend uh, Japan. And he entitled uh, that, art, that article, Being Unoffendable. I said, wow, that's amazing. So I read it and it became a goal in my life. It became a prayer, a daily prayer. I said, God, I don't want to be offended. And I think I've made huge progress. I've got people talking uh, in front of me, behind me, beside me, and all kinds of comments made. I have misunderstanding. And I'm not, you know, some, sometimes in relationships, I'm not the clearest uh, in my communication. So when there's misunderstanding, when there's miscom, people are offended, they're angry. Talk, And I tell you, friends, it's easy for us to go through life offended, right? Every day presents us opportunities for offense, At work, in school, rumors, gossips, misunderstanding. You didn't understand what the person said. And you're offended. But I tell the friends, we can come to a place of being unoffendable. Jesus wasn't offended. And I believe that being offended is one of the joy stealers. But we must learn at any time when there's an offense to just let it go and, and say, God, I forgive. I mean, look at Stephen when he was being stoned. I mean, he has got every reason to be angry at those who persecute him. But, friends, do you know what he, he did? He, he reflected the, the nature of Christ. He looked at those who were stoning him and, like a face of an angel glowing, he says, Father, forgive them. Isn't that amazing? Being easily offended steals us of our joy. So my, so my first point, how to increase joy in your life. Friends, watch out for joy stealers. Every day they are, they are there. Your spouse, your friends, your colleagues, your classmates. Because we live in an imperfect world. Um, amen? The system, the traffic lights, the driver next to you. Now, we're not perfect, but friends, we're always confronted with opportunities for us to be angry, to be upset, to compare, but watch out for the joy stealers. Turn not the person next to you and say, watch out for what? The joy stealers. I mean, the second point, how do you increase joy in your life? You have got to celebrate what you want to see more of. Does, am I making sense? You have got to celebrate what you want to see more of. The Bible says in Luke 15 verse 10, The Bible says, Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Each time someone is baptized in Jesus' name, each time someone is baptized in the Holy Spirit, we need to celebrate. Amen. This culture of celebration, at home, at work, my family knows what it means to celebrate. Because we've got a big family and so we spend half of the year celebrating birthdays. <laughs> From December is mine. My, my mother in law January is my son. I'm trying to remember my dad in February, you know, and in February my daughter. I you know we're always celebrating. You know, from when we were younger throwing parties to, to now because it's getting expensive, so we just have a simple celebration back at home, invite a few friends and have a dinner. But we're always blowing out candles. And I tell you, that keeps your joy caution high. Amen? See, the power of celebration, which is why don't miss the praise and worship. It's not a prelude to the sermon. Be here on time and celebrate together with your brothers and sisters, with the family. Celebrate the goodness of our God. Celebr- praise Him for His amazing works. Come on, we need to learn to be a people that celebrate. Amen? Amen. Amen. The culture of celebration. Celebrate what you want to see more of. If you want to see soul saved, every time when, a, when one person comes to know Christ, even in this church, it's one hand putting up. Celebrate. Yeah. If you want to see more guests here. Now, I, I know we've got some new uh, 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 newcomers here, but just let me encourage people who are part of the family here. You know, when, when the MC here welcome newcomers, don't just, come on, celebrate. Uh, right. Celebrate what you want to see more of. When you see, uh, when you hear a testimony, don't just give a, a complimentary clap. Come on, just go into a wow, jubilant celebration. Yeah, Amen. Have you ever wondered why 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 people clap so loud, scream so loud uh, when their when their sports, a uh, favorite team in sports, score a goal or or make a shot? Do you know why? Yeah, of course they celebrate what uh, the the player has done, but also it's a it's also a prophetic declaration that I want to see more of that. Amen. I so what do you want to see more of? In this church, when we gather, celebrate. You want to see more guests? Celebrate when they raise their hands. You want to see more prophetic words? When Andre, when Christine, when, oh no, when I give a good word, celebrate. When you want to see better preaching, when I preach well, come on, celebrate. If you want the worship to be more anointed when Christine leads well, when they step off the stage, celebrate. That's how you increase joy. When a when, when number of teenagers are growing, celebrate. Friends, celebration basically increases your joy quotient. And it can be part of your life, part of your culture. We can be a people that enjoy celebration. See, when I was growing up, like what the Bible uh, was saying in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Now, we can respond with grief. It's fine. Well, we we are carrying God's burden. That's an appropriate response. But similarly, celebration and joy is also an appropriate response. Amen. Celebrate what we want to see more of. We have to train our eyes in this life to look at the, the goodness of God in every day. Life, in every... You know, when, when you flag down a taxi and you get into a Mercedes cab, celebrate. It's the favor of the Lord. Amen. When you get an, an upgrade, when you travel uh, from coach to business class, it's the favor of the Lord. Celebrate. When people come to you and buy you a drink, celebrate. Come on. We can have this culture of celebration. It's fun. It's happening. It's amazing. We, we, we can learn to hello more. Hello. Not hello, but... Raise your voice, shout a little bit more. Amen. Clap your hands a little bit more. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Exactly. That's what life must be like. We must learn to celebrate. With our children, it's it's the same. Can I just apply it to parents here? Celebrate! You know they might they have been filling all their life in Chinese parents. Hallelujah! Uh, do you have do I do I have a witness here, or is it just my family? Maybe it's just my family. But you know when they when when they're always getting single digit for Chinese. Now you might not believe that it's 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 a true story, no myth, it's not an urban legend, it's truth in my household. And when they get double digit, it might be a far off. From the perfect score. Friends, my wife and I celebrate. Hallelujah. Come on. And I tell you, by celebrating, your your kids will be thrown off guard and say, Mom, I failed. It's okay, you made huge progress. That's a hundred percent increase in the score from four, uh, from five to ten. You got it. Woo! Celebration, friends. It really worked. Amen. Come on. It's true. I can go on, but let's move along to point three. All right. The third way to increase joy in your life is don't talk about your problem. Talk to your problem. Don't talk about your problem. Talk to. Turn to the person next and say, don't talk about your problem. Talk to your problem. See, the more you talk about your problem, the more unhappy you make yourself. All right. All right. It's a little bit like meditation. Do you do you know worry and meditation are the same? When you worry, a problem becomes bigger. All right. You know how the power of worry works. You you see a little growth on your finger. It might come from a knock, but as you look as you look at it and you worry. Before you know it say, oh no, I'm dying. I've got a little and that's happening to people. A little headache, oh no, I'm dying. I I I mean, I know people like that. A comment from a from a supervisor, oh no, I'll be fired. All right? And that's the power of worrying. But the flip side is true. The power of talking to your problem is. Don't talk about your problem, talk to your problem is don't talk about it, just talk to it and say lump be gone. Supervisor, I'm favored. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's what the Bible says. Mark chapter eleven, verse 20, 23 tells us. Have faith in God or have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith. And the Bible says, when you speak about the mountains, no, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, speak To the mountain, amen? Not speak about the mountain. Now, we like to talk about mountains. Wow, my mountain of debt, very big. Oh, my mountain of health issues, amazing. Oh, my mountain of work, very high. I mean, we're always talking about our mountain. But friends, the Bible says, talk to your mountain. Don't talk about your problems. Talk to your problem. Oh, the the church is shrinking. Don't talk about your problem. The church grow. Oh, my bank account is shrinking. Don't talk Bang a cow grow. Oh, I'm losing weight. I'm putting on weight. Don't talk about losing weight. Grow fatter. (laughs) Hey. Some of us need that that declaration, friends. Especially when you are extremely underweight. It's true. Mr. Russell Lowe, he needs to put on some weight. He's not here. (laughs) Right? Russell's live group, he needs a bit more weight. And some of us need to lose weight like Daniel Troy. A little, little bit more, a little bit more around my waist would, would would be good. Hallelujah. So don't talk about the waist size. Talk to your waist size. <laughs> waist size 31. Don't talk about the one lump in the front. Talk to it. I'll be ripped by 40. Do you know that's exactly what one of our board members did every week? If, if you, you know Kirk? Kirk's so determined, I mean, Kirk is in Hong Kong now having a holiday, but he's so determined, he says, I'll, I'll be ripped by 40. I have six packs, and he worked for it. But he talks about it, he talks to it every single day. He says, I'll be ripped. I'll, you know, I, it's true, friends, and it's biblical. I'm, this, this is not just positive psychology, it's a Bible principle. It happened in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Do you know what happened in 1 Samuel chapter 17? Do you know? Come on, help me preach. Do you know what happened in 1 Samuel 17? Come on! We have got our main character. His name is David. And he was delivering cheese and bread to his brother's where. In the front line of a battle. Come on, you know the story. This is, Bible, this is, Sunday, this is Sunday school. Now, if you are new here, not, not a believer, you just pretend that you know, okay? Alright, but it's a, it's a famous Bible story and here we have got David who was about 17 years old and he went to the front lines. His father Jesse said, can you deliver cheese and bread to your brothers? They have been fighting in the front lines and so David went and there was a stalemate. Why? Because the Philistines had a champion. His name is... It's a prophetic name. I love it. Because Goliath, one day Goliath down. Alright? So, it's a prophetic name. Shakarabahandai. Goliath. And so, God aptly named the giant. But, <laughs> so David went and, uh, and the armies of Israel was full of fear. You know that. Now, there was a champion, he was about 10 feet tall. Now, just in case you don't know what 10 feet tall is, it's the height of the basketball. Uh, what do you call it? Basketball. Is it 10 feet? Rim. Is it rim? No, it's the height of the, the rim. And that's how big Goliath was, and, and the rest was like, wow. Now, it's two feet tall taller than Shaquille O'Neal. If you play basketball, you know how big Shaquille is, all right? Of course, he has retired from basketball, but you know, at least two and a half feet taller than, Sha- than Shaquille, and this is a champion. I'm sure his muscles are bulging and maybe under the, the hot sun, the sweat was like coming down his face and it was glistening, and he's, ma- he's the man's man. Are you with me? He's like, when I was growing up, Ultimate Warrior in WWE, but I, I don't know who's... the. the you, that dates me who's big now John Cena. John Cena I don't know how he looks like but I think he looks a little bit like uh, TC and Joshua put together I mean he's just big and so the, and the armies of Israel were full of fear and they were talking about the giant are you with me? They were talking about the giant. I'm sure you know, the conversation goes a little bit like that. Between the two soldiers who was part of the troops and they said, Oh no, this is Goliath. He's the champion. He will eat me for breakfast. I say, yeah, it's true. In fact, he will use me as a fork for my breakfast. I, I mean, you just start going to conversations about the giant. So David came. He was a young shepherd boy, smallest probably of the whole lot because he didn't look like a soldier. He was a small little David boy. He was a shepherd boy. So he came and he was wondering what's happening. And he said, Who is this dog that he dares to taunt the armies of God? See, David sees things differently. David didn't see the armies of Israel. David saw the armies of God. David knew that that the armies of Israel is just a reflection of the armies of heaven. It's not the size of the army. It is not the muscles of the man. It's not what weapons they have. It's who they represent. Hello is who they represent. So David had the right perspective. See, the problem about all of us is we have the wrong perspective. We are always seeing life from a human level. And that's why when we see giants, we talk about giants, we don't talk to the giants because we see ourselves as grasshoppers that can go through the Bible and tell you story after story of Christians or of Israelites or, or God's people having the wrong perspective. Gehazi is another example. Servant of Elisha. And one day they woke up in the morning. Gehazi opened the window and he saw the armies of the enemies surrounding them, and just two of them—Gehazi and the master Elisha. And he came to Gehazi, he came to Elisha and said, "Oh no, we're outnumbered. Of course, <laughs> tens of thousands versus two of them." But Elisha wasn't faced in. In the face of problem, he said, those who are with us are more than those who are against us. And Gehazi must be scratching his head. Master, either I am blind or I am not seeing what you are seeing. So Elisha said, Lord, open Gehazi's eyes. And you know what? When his eyes were opened, he saw the armies of the Lord surrounding and camping around the righteous. Come on, church. And that was when you start talking to your problem, not about your problem. It's all about perspective. So when David saw Goliath, David saw Goliath from God's perspective. And from God's perspective, no matter how tall Goliath was, God's bigger. Amen. But it's just amazing that how a little giant can cripple an entire army. And it's the same in our life. It's the same in our life. We are crippled by a giant, uh. Some of us could be the giants of debt, which is more external, the giant of health, sickness. And for some, it could be internal, which is a a lot more covert, but is as powerful, cripples us. The giants of fear, of despair, of disappointments. And we're crippled by these giants. Friends, don't talk about your giants. Talk to your giants. Amen? Are you with with me? Don't talk about your giants. Talk to your giants. And that's what David did. David spoke to the giant. He says, You uncircumcised Philistine, how dare you come against the armies of the Lord of hosts. Amen. He talked to the giant. He didn't discuss about the giant. He spoke to the giant. Hello? Hello? From my message that I prepared, I wrote this. Giants defeat us not because they're big, but because they make us feel small. I'll repeat that. Giants defeat us not because they're big, but they make us feel small. And some of you this morning are feeling small. You're looking at your giants, you're talking to yourself about your giants, or you're talking to people about your giants, and the more you talk about your giants, the smaller you become. And that's how they defeat us, by making us feel small, crippling us in our uh, our path. And we don't progress, we don't move on in attacking the giants. Friends, don't talk about your giants, talk to your giants. That's what David did. He talked to his giant. That's what the Bible says, talk to your mountain. Turn to the person next to you and say, talk to your problem. This is what I wrote. In fact, how you talk in in your trial will determine how long you stay in the trial. How you talk in your trial will determine how long you stay in your trial. Talk to your problem. The fourth way to increase joy is keep sowing into people's breakthroughs as you wait for your own. Keep sowing into people's breakthroughs as you wait for your own. See, a lot of us, because of our circumstances, our situation, we become so self-absorbed that we forget to sow. Don't be self-absorbed. Keep sowing. If you are waiting for a breakthrough in your health, keep praying for people who are sick. If you are looking for a breakthrough in your resources, your finances, with the limitations that you have, sow. You know, that's what um, Paul commended. Paul commended the Macedonians for sowing out of their lack. Do you know that? He, they sow out of their lack, they didn't sow out of their abundance. Keep sowing into other people's breakthroughs as you wait for your own. If you are in need of healing, pray for those who are sick. As you wait for your own, as you know, if you are in need, uh, you know of fi- of finances, give to those who are in need. As you wait for your own breakthrough, if 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 you are not pregnant here and you and you're praying to God to to be pregnant, don't be self-absorbed. Pray for people who are waiting for a similar miracle. And pr- friends, that's the key. To increasing joy and celebrating together with them for your answered prayer. And that's exactly what happened to me now. When I was growing up, of course, the, the verse you and household shall be saved. It was like, God, I want my household. I want my household safe. And I hear friends after friends uh, sharing about their family, coming to know Christ, and uh, their, their family members are being baptized and they are crying. And I'll be saying to myself, God, when's my turn? God, when's my turn? God, when's my turn? But you know what? Every time without fail, I'll go up to them and say, I share in your joy. I'm blessing you for what God has done in your life, in your family. Friends, and the more I sow and the more I pray, God's working on my behalf. And the day came suddenly, unexpectedly. You know, when I receive a call from Pastor John and say, hey, your mom just gave her life to the Lord. I say, yay! The time has come. But friends, the point I'm trying to say is this as you celebrate, as you sow into other people's breakthrough, joy grows in your life. And that's what the Bible says in Psalm 126 verse 5. Psalm 126 verse 5 says, sow with tears and you shall reap in joy. Sow with tears and you will reap in joy. When you're sowing, it might be tough. uh, You might be going through a challenge, but as you sow in tears, the Bible promises us that you will reap in joy. Turn to the person next to you and say, sow with tears and you will reap in joy. I want to close this message with my final point and that's more than an emotion that we manage. We have to understand that joy is a substance we receive. Alright? Joy is a substance we receive. It's more than just an emotion. For you to walk in joy, you must must differentiate happiness and joy. Happiness is from your circumstance, but joy is from the inside. It's a substance that we receive. And I want to read Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. Can I have that verse on the screen, please? Thanks, guys, for helping me out. Romans Romans 15 and verse 13 says this. Romans 15 verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the same way we receive Holy Spirit, the same way we receive power from on high, the Bible tells us, and the God of hope will fill you with joy. It's a substance. You can fill it. It's a bit like an empty glass and you're pouring water into the empty glass and the glass gets filled up. The glass didn't get filled up with air. The glass got filled up with the substance called water. Likewise in your life. If you want to increase joy, you have to understand that the God of hope, your God, will fill you with joy as you just simply say, God, fill me with joy as I start the day, as I start the week. Parents, you can do that. Pray for your kids and say, Father, fill them with joy and peace. Amen? I try my best to, do, to drive uh, my teenagers to school in the morning because I enjoy that 10 minutes drive. We talk, sometimes they're tired, but I'll always say a prayer for them in the car and I'll bless them to be influencers in their school. I'll bless them with health, with wholeness. I'll bless them with joy and peace. I'll just say, God, fill them up with your Holy Spirit. Fill them up. Now, they may not feel it, but listen, as I do that, I, by an act of faith, I believe that God is honoring my prayers, the Father. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, so... No, Yes, pray for good grades, pray for health, pray for all the usual stuff that all parents pray for. But can I suggest to you this morning, parents, that take a step beyond that. Ask God to fill them with Himself, with His substance. See, God is joy. God is peace. God is gentleness. God is meekness. God is patience. That's what the Bible says. So ask the Lord to fill them with joy, with peace and let them overflow with the likeness and the nature of God. And I tell you, a happy child is a successful child. Parents, right? Wouldn't you want that? Do you want your your kids to always be burdened by homework? Doesn't it pain your heart, parents? It pains you, right, to see them Wait now, coming back from school and taking out, and exams come, and it pains us to, it weighs parents down. We're always striving with our kids. Study more, study more. We did exactly to our children what we wish our parents didn't do to us. Amen. Parents. Yes. And it takes our parents to remind us not to be like them. It's amazing. My dad would write to me and he would say, and then what's more important is not that grades. It's you spending time because I wish I spent more time with you and, and your brother. It's true. So learn from your parents that there were regrets in their life and now we're repeating it back to our kids because of fear, because of, because of comparison, right? Because it's never enough. It steals us of our joy and it rob us of that, of, of that joy of parenting, of seeing them grow up whole and well and you know i i say i say to myself the worst day of my kids life you know when because i could look back is when they turn seven and they go to primary one because it's so different in kindy they're like running around singing songs come home with artwork and you know, they'll say mommy come and look at what i sing p1 comes and now with all due respect to teachers all right but it's all it, it's all different they come up with homework, meet the parents, and the, and the teachers would say, your child, you know, like what Chris, like, like, like what Chris e- even in kindy saying that, your child can't write well, can't spell well. And I said to myself, wow, it's very stressful. So what's my point? And my last point is, ask God to fill them with joy. Ask God to fill you with joy. It's a substance. Now, I'm not saying that you don't do well in school, but I'm saying that there are weightier matters. There are more important things in life. I know teachers who go into ministry, alright, the ministry of education, with expectation, with a vision, and after 10 years, oh, I must mark paper. I, I saw them at McDonald's in Simei, and they're like, wow, that students is very poor, and they, and they look so downcast, marking papers, they're from Changkat Changi Primary School, marking papers, and they will sit, and talk among them, themselves, I wouldn't give that girl this score, and i was like, wow, this is, this is scary, the kingdom of God, the Bible says, is righteousness, it is peace, it is joy in the Holy Spirit. It is The kingdom of God It's not Bible study, it's not hate knowledge, it's come on. The kingdom of God is a substance. You can feel it when you're walking in His righteous ways. You can feel it when there's joy in your life. You can feel it when you are walking in peace. You can feel it. So how do, we, how do we apply this message? Let's be a happy church, a joyful church. Let's celebrate, let's start demonstrating to our friends what the kingdom of God looks like on Monday. As you carry God's kingdom into your school, into your workplace, carry joy, carry peace, carry righteousness. As you parent, parent them in righteous ways, parent them in joy, parent them in, in peace. That's what the kingdom of God is like. Amen. A few parents were talking at the wedding last night and so were trading children's stories. Kelvin was there, I think Clarence was there. They were just saying how we've given up on you know, some of our kids in their grades and all that. But the common conclusion is this, and I think it's great. The common conclusion is I think the, their integrity and their character is a lot more important than. What is going in school. And, and it's true. Now, we're saying that to encourage ourselves because you know, we wish that they could do better. But that's the truth. That's the truth. Because you know, I'll say, look at some of us. We weren't A student. I didn't have a degree. I didn't have a master's. There's no PhD. Do you, do you know why I do this? Permanent hate. No, I'm just kidding. There's no PhD. But I, you know, but I think we are fine. Don't you agree? Yes. I think I'm fine. I know, I think I'm walking with the Lord. You know, I I turn out well. All right, I turn out well. Mingwei turns out well. <laughs> Hallelujah! I was telling him them how much we have known since he was ten. He was a little bit active as a young boy, but we turn out well. We turn out well. So I want to encourage the parents here. You know, know, I'm just trying to apply the message in different ways, right? Parents, kids, children, joy. And as I close, let's go back to to the first verse. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. Do you know how to be a strong believer? Of course, those, those who know that God shall be strong, but another way of actually being strong in the Lord is when you are always full of joy. Don't, you're not comparing the size of the church, the size of your bank account, the, the, the grades that you get, but you, know, you are celebrating, you are praying for another person's breakthrough, you are speaking to your problem, not, not about your problem. And when you start doing things like that, believe me, you will see yourself walking with contentment, with joy, with happiness, and before you know it, strength comes back. You see yourself being strong in God. Strong in the Lord. And the enemy may throw fiery darts at you and you realize, hey, it doesn't touch you. Gossips come, it doesn't touch you. Rumors surround, it doesn't touch you. Because you're walking in the joy of the Lord. Amen? Shall we stand? So what's my message this morning? (laughs) Let the joy of the Lord be your strength